I'm Holly Tucker, and welcome to my podcast, Conversations of Inspiration. Founder of Not On The High Street and Holly & Co, I'm the UK ambassador of creative small businesses. I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. And my dream is to help everyone start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement. And in my view, the greatest way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to all my favourite small businesses, acclaimed entrepreneurs and those who just simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to our sponsor NatWest, who have helped bring this free podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down where we're going. If you've enjoyed listening to our live episodes with Levi Roots and Thomasina Myers, then what are you waiting for? Tickets are now on sale for our podcast live event in Manchester on the 17th of July. And in the coming weeks, I'll be releasing tickets to our events in Birmingham, Newcastle and Edinburgh. Each episode will take place in a very special venue with highly inspirational guests, including a speech from me and a chance to ask questions too. The evening will include wonderful entertainment, magical Holly & Co details, a fantastic opportunity to shop small business, drink a delicious tipple or two, mingle with like-minded people, make new friends and I will ensure you'll be thoroughly and utterly inspired. You see, I believe that one conversation has the ability to change the course of your life forever and I want it to be mine. So don't delay, get your tickets to Conversations of Inspiration, the podcast live in partnership with NatWest. We'll only be recording four more live podcasts this year, so make sure you don't miss out. Head to holly.co to get your ticket today. This week on Conversations of Inspiration, I'm speaking to Fern Cotton, founder of Happy Place. We met at my home, tea in hand, and my dog Mudley warming Fern's lap. Fern started her working life from a young age when she won a competition to be a TV presenter. Her warmth and openness won over the British public straight away, and she went on to present shows such as Top of the Pops, Comic Relief, and then became the first ever female presenter of the Radio 1 chart show. After suffering from a spell of depression, Fern's career took on a new direction. She decided to leave her top job at Radio 1 and instead publish books around happiness with tools to help others who might also be struggling. She launched her Happy Place podcast in 2017, which draws on her own experiences and shares advice from experts and celebrities, helping everyone to find their happiness. Her brand continues to grow along with a huge alliance of fans. Her books, podcasts, brand collaborations and now her Happy Place Festival are a testament to her success. Fern was so lovely. She just couldn't have been more generous with her time, her advice, and she really is everything you see on her Instagram, TV, and more. She's a true entrepreneur, creating a strong brand from her purpose and passion, and is building a business doing exactly what she loves. It's an inspirational episode, which I know you will love as much as I did.
Hi Fern. We're all such Fern fangirls at Holly & Co, along with the rest of the country, so this is such a treat for me. I have admired your career for such a long time, but especially now with the brand and business you're building around happiness. I adore your podcast, Happy Place, and I'm so excited to be speaking at your Happy Place Festival this year as well. And you interviewed Madonna this week for your show on Radio (laughs) 2, which I know you say is one of your pinnacles of your career and I'm interviewing you which is definitely one of mine so what a week and oh my god I'm not in the same realm as Madonna but thank you Holly (laughs) it's so such a pleasure to do your podcast oh thank you my mission in life is to help everyone build a business doing what they love and I started this podcast conversations of inspiration with the aim to help inspire those dreaming of being an entrepreneur or to support those already running a business and it's been such a privilege so far interviewing business people all around the country from Joe Malone to Richard Reed to Levi Roots but I thought it'd be such an interesting and inspiring podcast to interview someone who is running a business being their own brand. You're someone who's been an entrepreneur from a young age but has navigated the celebrity world to create such a strong business from being exactly their authentic self which really is no mean feat I can imagine and I can't wait to chat to you about this. But first, I just wanted to start this podcast by asking you a little about your backstory. I read that your father was a sign writer and your mother worked in alternative therapy. Would you say this is where you gained your strong work ethic from? Well, all my work ethic is from my parents. My dad uh, only semi-retired a couple of weeks ago. So he's been a sign oh, really? writer since he was 15. So he started out doing all the beautiful, you know, handwritten signs. And he would do all the big Wembley Stadium signs for when the concerts were on. Then things changed down the line. So now it's much more sort of print out on computer stuff. But he was still, you know, digging the holes to put the signs in up until a couple of weeks ago. And he's now still sort of, he's doing more bespoke sort of commission stuff now but he he could never not work he loves what he does so I always saw him doing something he was very passionate about which I think probably by osmosis has sort of seeped Mm -hmm. in yeah Uh, It's been written that my mum was uh, an alternative therapist, which she was not, but she will love that that was written about her. It's been in the press for years, but no, she's always had an interest in alternative therapies. And I've always sort of like done Reiki and meditation since I was really young. But she was so hardworking. When I was growing up, she had about four jobs at the same time. So she was delivering goods for next she was a cleaner to our neighbors she was an orthodontist nurse I mean it was relentless just to sort of keep our family afloat we didn't have a fancy lifestyle in the slightest we went to a state school but you know just so we had a nice life and we would you know got to go on the odd holiday to France or go camping both my parents worked insanely hard and as a child, I didn't recognise this and think, God, they work hard. But obviously now at this point in life, I can look back and recognise what they put into that crazy sort of family dynamic they were running. Also married with the fact that I saw my dad doing something that he really, really loved. Mm. That Because, you know, he still loves doing it now at 66. And that has definitely, you know, made its mark on me for sure. And you began working at 15 after Mm. winning a competition to become a TV presenter. What was that experience like? And did you enjoy starting work from such a young age? I did. I was never 
academic. School was fine. You know, I loved my friends and I enjoyed bits of it, but I didn't feel like I'm desperate to go to university. This is what I want to study. I felt quite lost in that way. But I'd always gone to um, an out-of-school dance and drama club, which was just my everything. I loved my gang there. I loved every lesson that I did. I just felt like that's where I belonged. So I used to audition for any old thing, you know, adverts, theatre shows. So I did lots of little local theatre productions and stuff like that. And I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And I was told by everybody, not my family, but, you know, at school, teachers, career advisors that it was a silly idea and a silly dream to have and that I should fill out a form which would then tell me that I should go and work with children or whatever would come out, go and be a teacher or whatever. But I was always, I guess, naively optimistic and thought, no, no, I'm going to keep on trying for this one, thanks. So, yeah, went to another audition and weirdly it ended up being this sort of on-TV competition, which I didn't really understand at the time because that that concept hadn't really been on TV before. This is pre-X Factor, pre-all of those shows. So I ended up passing all these auditions and then got to the on-TV bit where there was three of us and somehow ended up getting the job, which was so, so shocking at the time. Like, I had no idea what was going on. Couldn't believe it, but I thought, right, I am in now. My foot is in the showbiz door. I need to stay in it. So although I had a huge lump of luck on that day, mm-hmm. I instantly was in you hard work it. mode. Oh, no, I was like, I'm not cocking this up. There's no way. I, I've got so much to lose. You know, I wasn't going to, like, fall back on my parents sorting my life out for me or, or a university mm-hmm. degree. I was 15. I had to seriously go for it. So... I was quite studious about it. And that was my university in a sense. I, mm-hmm. I watched everyone like a hawk around me and what they were doing and how it all worked. And I was obsessed. It wasn't like hard work. Oh, this is such a slog. But because I was obsessed. So mm-hmm. I wanted to mm-hmm. know everything mm-hmm. I could possibly learn. So did you carry on schooling at the same time? Yeah, I sort of juggled it. I was doing my GCSEs that year. So I missed oh my quite goodness. a lot of school. I, I was sort of tutored a little bit on set but probably not to the if it was today it would be so strict but back then they were like yeah I think you're doing okay it's gonna be fine and then I even missed two GCSEs because I was filming and nobody bothered to sort of hassle me or my parents to reschedule them so I just didn't do them so it was all a bit 90s and weird then I did one A level because it's all I had time to do because at that point I was doing about three TV shows so I did one A level in art and I kind of did it because I wasn't ready to just to be an adult straight away at 16 so I thought I better stay at school so it was really busy and I didn't really go out much I didn't really want to again it wasn't a sacrifice I just loved what I was doing so much um, and I worked really long days and I, and I worked hard, but I just loved every single minute of it. Gosh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because looking back, it's a very entrepreneurial thing that you did. You took an opportunity, you took the risk and you worked bloody hard. Mm. And you probably didn't think of it at the time because we didn't use the word entrepreneur so much, but it was really entrepreneurial. I say this as another one of our missions is to 
help encourage entrepreneurship in our kids and our teens as they're feeling such pressure to do well in exams, Mm. follow the conventional path. But the future will be so different. Everyone in the future will have to be an entrepreneur in some way. So we should teach our children, our young children, and help them turn their passions into business or look at that, what you did, look at that um, sort of like you were drawn to it, weren't you? Like a magnet. And actually that has become your career. So the crazy ideas that they have when they're young aren't necessarily crazy. so crazy at they're all. Not. And I recognise it in my own kids now. You know, my son who's six and a half, you get school reports back saying this is what they're good at and this is what they're not so good at. And it can make panic ensue a little bit. Like, oh my God, should they be better at reading or maths or whatever? But I keep remembering that whatever they're going to end up doing, they will do anyway. It doesn't matter if they get the best grades, go to the best university. Whatever they are here to do, they will find a way of doing it. So it's given me a little bit more confidence in parenting in that way, that I haven't got to panic and be, you know, really authoritarian about everything to do with schooling. I can let them find their feet a little bit. So I'm I'm glad that I've kind of got that hindsight. I can look back at my own youth and sort of see how I made the best of what I had and that they're, all kids will do the same. Joe Malone talked about the diamond within them and you've got to find the diamond and shine the diamond mm. and that we're all blessed with a diamond. Like you found your diamond and over time it's been shone and it's been chipped up, but you've scrubbed it clean and mm. you've shone even more. And now your children must look at you in that way or you have to I know I have to as well remind yourself I just got a text this morning Harry's just been moved down to the bottom set of maths okay so I'm trying to not freak You're out in about, You're I'm, in the I'm trying to not freak out this morning yeah. about it because he did so well in his other exams yeah and actually if I look at what I did I got an E in business studies Brilliant. so so actually your grades don't define you they just and I was don't. I was creative yeah. and so that I actually now look back at the dots and you can see if you connect yeah. them that that's what it is and that we should have that confidence as parents totally. to go don't worry they're going to be in the bottom set for math they're going to scrape a C but he doesn't want to be a mathematician no why have they got to be good at everything why have they got to be good at 10 subjects you know adults aren't good at 10 things adults are usually good at one thing at best why have kids got to be brilliant at 10 things or more sometimes kids are doing like 13 14 GCSEs why have they got to be good at that many things it's bonkers why don't you really focus on the two three things you know that naturally have ease about them because it's all got to have ease there's no Mm. point banging your head against the wall feeling like everything's an uphill struggle there's got to be ease and although you've built this incredible business and company and and all the beautiful stuff that you've created I'm sure there were bits that felt hard but actually I'm sure a lot of it to you felt like it came with ease because it was what you were meant to be doing and I think if you find that thing and it could be something completely random and off the spectrum for what we're meant to be looking at on the curriculum go with it go with that it doesn't matter if your school's telling you that's not what you should focus on or anyone else you've got to find that thing that that you feel happens quite naturally and organically and what will be your gift to the world yeah 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 that's it isn't it so totally it's that you know when building not on the high street for sure you know there were areas of course you know you get put into these positions as founders and we'll talk about the imposter syndrome in a moment mm. but you somehow feel you know somehow the harvardness should be in me well yeah. no that wasn't my path no so i'm going to be phenomenal at these bits but i'm not going to be so great at those bits and it's the owning up to that and yes. owning 
those parts. And it's what we should really be telling our young. Yeah. You know, as I say to Harry, you know, you're not going to be a scientist, my darling, yeah, or a physicist. I can't even say it. Um, <laughs> and that means that's, that's why you can't do it. Um, and you're not going to be a mathematician. But, you know, your love for business, your love for history, yeah. your love for the... Well, that's then maybe that's your thing. That's your gig. That's Absolutely. why you're going to be amazing at it. Absolutely. And I think it maybe is coming through because all these A stars that aren't enough or you've got to go to university... You've got to get three A stars in Hey, I've got friends who went to uni and got the best degrees and it took them 10 years to find a job afterwards because they didn't know what they wanted to do. There were loads of other people with 10, you know, loads of A stars and university degrees who were also fighting for those jobs. So it doesn't set anything in stone. You still have to then find your thing anyway and work hard. So you've got to do it your way. Maybe it is university, but also maybe it isn't. And I think mm. you you have to trust your gut on that one and go mm. with what feels right to you. And equally, I've got friends that didn't go to uni that have jobs they adore that they're excelling at. So mm. you've got to do it your own way. So then your career continued to take off into the stratosphere, presenting Top of the Pops, Comic Relief, various programmes for the BBC, becoming the first female presenter of the Radio 1 chart show. So complete girl power. But it was in 2017 that your life went on to a new trajectory. And I think it's when people really stopped and took this huge interest in what you were doing because you decided to leave Radio 1 and you released your first book called Happy when you spoke about your struggles with depression and how you found your happiness which was such a big decision leaving one of the most renowned radio spots to go down another path a scarier path where I'm sure you felt very vulnerable especially being in the spotlight and wanting people wanting you to fail no doubt and at the time where people didn't really talk about mental health um, and it was more of a stigma and I remember being so in awe of you and your bravery and your decision to go against the norm especially when we live in such a shiny world where money is made from pretty much being perfect so I'd love to talk to you about this was it scary and what pushed you to take that leap of faith and change your career path sort of overnight yeah I mean it was my main thing is a kind of inherent risk-taking quality that I have and again I don't know which parent I got this from or ancestor but I cannot sit in that comfort for too long of anything I want to always um, push myself feel a bit scared and experience change I, I I never feel more alive than when I'm going through great change as terrifying it is that doesn't mitigate the fear because it's there it's real yeah. but I love it and I've had it twice with leaving Radio 1 and Celebrity Juice everybody around me has gone why I don't get it why are you leaving you know I didn't leave either on bad terms with anyone or for any reason other than I just felt like jumping I just thought why not why not see what happens next and you know I'm so glad I did I look back at especially Radio 1 as this beautiful decade that I had there interviewing everyone I could have ever dreamed of meeting and learned so much about the the craft and skill of radio which I've now taken on to Radio 2 but I needed a switch up and I had mm. you know I was about to have my second kid so I knew I wanted a, something a different structure to my life anyway but I had zero plans and I mean that from the bottom of my heart there was absolutely a blank future ahead of me I had no idea I was going to write happy 
uh, had no idea I'd end up doing a podcast or any of this stuff. I just was starting over, which I think you have to do. I think if you're if you're leaving something and you've got grand plans already set in place, that's rockier ground to me because you've got expectations. I had none. Yeah, I just thought, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do next. So let's let's just clean everything out and and have some clarity, which you can't have if you've already got plans. Mm-hmm. Have a little bit of clarity and then see what happens next and feel shit scared for a bit. So then all this stuff accidentally happens. So I'd been chatting to my publisher who'd done my cookbook about what I might do next. And she'd said, oh, do you want to do something about well-being? I know you're really into doing stuff in that world. And I said, well, yes, I could write about that. Or I could really write about it. And I, and I could say all the stuff that I don't even talk to my mum about. And she was like, well, let's see how safe you feel in that space and go for it. So I ended up Gosh. writing the book. And then I didn't know this stuff was going to happen. You know, I'm much more, you know, into the planning and it's all sort of much more considered now because I... I see the reaction to things and I and I know what's sort of working and what's not. But back then, I had no idea at all. But it's been liberating because I'm now just me rather than TV me. Oh, I think it was probably such a sliding doors moment for you. It's mm. when your business and brand, without you really realising it, took shape. We call it at Holly & Co, when you take your passions and you find your purpose, which becomes the beating heart of your business. And we call it your brand heart. Mm. From the outside looking in, yours was made up from this strong purpose to spread happiness combined with your passion for creativity and wellness. And then once you have your brand heart, it's completely unique to you. It's your USP and it can't be copied. It's your DNA born from you. It's authentic and it will have longevity. And I always advise businesses to do that, to try and create their own brand heart. Imagine it pumping inside the business's body Mm. and nothing else can ever touch it if you really understand what it is, which is exactly what you did. You wrote Happy, but you've now got Happy, Calm and Quiet as your books and you have your podcast Happy Place, which aims to bring Good, simple happiness to your everyday. And it's now one of the most listened to podcasts. And The Happy Place is now a brand in itself with a festival launching later this year. What was the journey? So you you just mentioned that startup part. Mm. But what was the journey like from almost becoming now a brand and a business? Yeah. Because you hadn't had that before. You were the personality and the presenter, the celebrity. But now you were building a brand and a business Mm. that was coming from you. Yeah, I think there was sort of a definite moment where I understood that switch. Because there was that sense of liberation after I'd written the first book. And that's when I realised, oh, I can do stuff on my own now. I don't have to wait for a TV channel, a radio station or whatever to say, oh, you're good enough to work for us now, come over here. Because that's a horrible game to play that I played for 20 years. And it's soul-destroying at times. It can be brilliant, but it can also be really soul-destroying. So once I sort of understood the autonomy I could have, if I was just doing stuff that I cared about rather than a TV or production company saying, we care about this, will you come and present it for us? Because it was stuff I cared about, but other people were reacting well, I saw it was empowering to me. I was like, okay, I can do my own thing without having to wait around to feel good enough. And then something you said a moment ago sparked a thought. When you were saying you've got to realise 
you know, if you're not good at maths, if you're not good at science, you can park that and look at what you are good at. The other important thing in that process is then finding other people that are really good to do the bits you can't do. Agreed. And team building. And that was a huge moment for me, getting a team around me that could do all the bits that I wasn't good at, which is the forward planning, which is the insight into where we could take it next. You know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm amazing at all of that because I'm not. I am massively creative. And that's the other thing that I understood in that moment. If I have my own brand and my own company running and my own projects, I can be creative all day, every day. Mm. And that's all I've ever wanted to do. Blessing. But yeah. I couldn't before because I would have yeah. to wait till someone said, come into this space and then can you do your thing here? I'd go, okay, there's a little room for me to be creative here. Whereas now, all day long, I can sit, I can brainstorm, I can work on projects that people have sparked ideas for. It's just endless and I've never felt so happy in the working capacity because of that so it all all the pieces started to fit together and it all started to make sense after I had those realizations really and now I've got this incredible team and we meet we're meeting every two weeks at the moment because we've got the festival coming up but we'll meet once a month and go through a plan of every project that we're working on all the different elements of of those projects and where we want to go next with it so there's much more pre-planning now and all these brilliant brains that work in the digital arm of the company or the brand element that are you know where we do all the collaborations or the events team and and together that feels like a really beautiful unified force with Mm. lots of minds who all have the same not end goal but the same mission to to create a bit of joy to spark a bit of joy in as many ways as we possibly can that's that's everyone's aim and if it wasn't it would go to shit it can't be about anything other than what would create a little bit of joy over here or a little bit of solace over there it's those sorts of moments that we're trying to create just I know I've said this to you before but I just I really think you're so building something really really beautiful I I have to I, I think the future of business is like with people within yourselves it's going to become you know your KPI your mission is to create joy Mm. when on earth could anyone have said that 10 20 years Mm. ago and boy do we need it right now and and (laughs) we need a bit of joy we don't we and it reminds you know holly and co's mission to help everybody start a business doing what they love there's there's not a sort of you know and make 20 million pounds at the same time we've got to make money to live but actually the goal it can't be the incentive it's no it's the why that we've got really right here in and and actually we're going to hopefully do something good in the world well also we wouldn't be sat doing a bloody podcast if it was about money do you know what i mean i spent my whole life doing podcasts i'm not making any money out of it i'm doing it because i absolutely love making podcasts talking to interesting people and then allowing these interesting people that I've bumped into along the way use their voice to help other people. That's my mission. I'm not doing it for any other reason. I love doing that podcast. It brings me the most amount of joy and hopefully in turn will do the same for others. And it does. And it does. I've heard countless times actually and I was at a do last night where a dear business who is using her business to channel the pain she's in personally right now into building her business the business is saving her life and her sanity and many other dealing with anxiety issues depression can feel such a a healing aspect of creating something Mm. would you say that's a similar experience for yourself oh my god with 
without a doubt. If I am not creating, I feel lost and I, I feel very agitated and I don't sit well in that space. And I have to teach myself to a little bit more just to be able to have stillness and let things process and digest it. But I'm never happier than when I'm creating. And that can manifest in so many forms. Like when I was on the radio this morning, that for me is the ultimate creation because you sit in front of a microphone at 6.30am with not much sort of planning and you've got you know three hours to just create whatever you want to create and with other people bouncing off other people and the audience and text coming in and it's a beautiful moment of spontaneity and creation and then there's the much more sort of literal stuff like where I get to sit and draw designs for a couple of the brands I'm working with at the moment where I am just doodling and sort of channeling in that way um podcast wise I love creating how an interview might flow and where it might go to so I'm very very lucky that in the job that I've got today and it hasn't always been the case that I get to flex that muscle every day and it is healing all round you know if I'm feeling I'm having a shit day I'm feeling low I will just sit and draw if I have the time if my kids are at school and nursery or doodle when they've gone to bed at night or brainstorm another idea that that definitely just balances me out and stops me going down a rabbit hole of despair so I feel really lucky that I have the space and time to to use that sort of creative muscle where I can but I also try and carve out time for it because I know it's going to help me more than sitting and watching a shitty tv show or Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. out to the pub to get pissed that Mm. does nothing for me at all Mm. and something I think people won't realize actually is that you're the boss Mm. as in you run your business and yes there is a team and there's hands on building but you're the founder Mm. and it's maybe one could be mistaken to think it's maybe done by others for you but you're the ceo of happy place you are now a businesswoman, right? Yeah. How's that? Off. How's that felt? That transition is that? Is it as you said, liberating? Yeah. Are you learning more skills than you've ever yes, learned before? I am, but again, none of it's a chore, and it feels more natural than anything I've ever done. You know, I, I didn't ever necessarily feel comfortable in that space of waiting for people to say, please come and do this job that I think you're good enough to do. Can you say these words? And this is how we'd like you to do it. I can do it if I have to, but it doesn't feel particularly natural to me. There are exceptions. There's a TV show I've got coming out in the summer, but it's all about creation, creating, and art. It's about interiors, so you're going to absolutely love it, actually. I know. I'll tell you all the details. Yeah, please. Um, So that felt really organic and lovely, but I feel much more natural in this space now where there's no faking it. There's no having to talk about things I don't care about. It's so much easier because everything I'm writing about, talking about or planning is stuff I genuinely give a shit about. Mm. And all the charity stuff that I'm doing alongside Mm. it marries perfectly with all the Mm. creative stuff that we're doing. So it all just fits and works well. And I feel really just happy being in that space. So, you know, the the only downsides are I never switch off ever. I find it, it incredibly difficult to sleep at night because my head is... I'm like an excited four-year-old before Christmas most nights because the next day, what am I going to say on the radio? What am I going to do in this meeting? What am I going to draw? You know, it's, it, there's constant space to, you know, create new stuff. So I don't know how to switch off. But 
I know that I feel absolutely privileged to sit in a room with people quite often that I know are incredibly talented at each part of what they do, but nobody's doing it for me. Nobody's sat there going, right, this is how we're going to make the Happy Place Festival. This is what you're going to do on your podcast. I'm at home working Mm. all this stuff out and then using these brilliant people as a team to get to the end goal of whatever the project is. And at the end of the day, if it goes wrong, it's egg on my face, no one else's. No one's going to go, oh my God, that person that possibly works with Fern could have done a better job to make the festival better. It will be be Fern's festival was a flop or Fern's festival hopefully was really beautiful and everyone had a great time. So I know how much is riding on it, way more than ever before. Because if a TV show bombed, you know, you'd feel a bit gutted for a while and then hopefully you'd do another one. But this is stuff that I care about deeply and I want to work and I want everybody listening to the podcast or coming to the festival to get something out of it. And if that doesn't happen, I will feel you know, a sense of failure and I will learn lots and try again. I'm not going to give up, but it is egg on my face. So I've got to be 100% on it all the time. And I also do expect the same from everyone that I'm working with. But you're now, you're a CEO, you're a founder, you're an entrepreneur. You were a presenter, you were a personality, et cetera, et cetera. You still are all those things. But that waking up at night, it is nonstop. And I'm yeah. sure you've had it always, but almost maybe it's just changed into I another didn't have non- it before, you know. I sort of Oh, well, I, then there you go. I had it a bit. Like, yeah. I had it a bit. But I always knew I could get there and, you know, get through the job because yeah. I knew how to do it. Yeah. Whereas this now, it's just the possibility for expansion feels endless at this point because I'm at the beginning stages of this is like early 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 days and there's so many things that I want to do and so many things that I haven't even thought of yet that my brain is just having like a field day it's non-stop party party up there so it's much more difficult to switch off but I love it and I feel so much more empowered you know I used to have to sit in these meetings all the time with bosses of tv shows production companies channels and they would be like they they had 15 minutes to give me of their time they'd be like so what you've been up to recently and I'd go oh god uh just sort a bit stuff I can't really you've put me on the spot I don't know I'm trying to prove myself to these people well I've been working for over two decades And I don't have to do that anymore. If I do a TV show, amazing. I will love every minute and I'll give it my all. But if I don't, it doesn't matter. Because I'm doing all this other stuff on my own over here. It's your new era. It is bloody lovely. I have a very exciting announcement to make. The Congregation of Inspiration is back for its second year and tickets are now live. After its huge success in 2018, the Congregation of Inspiration, in partnership with NatWest, has been badged the UK's most creative business conference. I'm so honoured. Providing advice and inspiration for those running a business or for those dreaming of starting one. We're working hard to create an utterly inspirational day, jam-packed with incredible speakers and entertainment, life-changing advice from myself and esteemed guests, but also a chance to shop, eat and drink. And believe me, it's set again to be an Instagrammable extravaganza. 
But most importantly, it's going to be a chance for you to connect with your community, meet new friends, find your tribe. And I just cannot wait to take your questions, mingle with you all and have a tipple or two at the end of the day. So no matter whether you're an entrepreneur already on the path or a dreamer hoping to quit the nine to five to do what you love, the Congregation of Inspiration is one of the most important days to be part of. If you'd like to come to the Congregation of Inspiration 2019, tickets are now available at holly.co. I look forward to seeing you there. Each week on Conversations of Inspiration, we're running a competition with our partner NatWest, where if you are a small business or independent, you are in with a chance to win this very ad break coming up. A free advert to showcase your business to hundreds of thousands of listeners, thanks to NatWest's generosity. This week's winner is Coyote Fitness UK. Over to you. Hello, my name's Rebecca, the founder of Coyote Fitness UK. I have created a children's fitness program called Coyote Kids Fit Club for two to six-year-olds and Coyote Fit Crew for seven to ten-year-olds. We create a healthy, active child for life through fun fitness games and activities. We do this by taking the children on a fitness journey using our four Coyote characters called Cody, Kip, Kelsey and Kai. Each one represents a different fitness discipline and we also teach the importance of healthy nutrition. I started Coyote Fitness UK because I was saddened to hear that one in four children are now obese starting primary school. And after a long career within the adult sector of the fitness industry, I knew I could make a difference to the next generation and have made it my mission to help them see how fitness is fun and that you don't need to be sporty to take part. Find out more at www.coyotefitness.co.uk or on Instagram and Facebook at Coyote Fitness UK. Thanks. If you'd like to take NatWest up on their generosity and be listened to by thousands of people, take that leap of faith and send in your small business advert to independentadbreaks at holly.co. We're looking for the wonderful stories that only small businesses can tell and have created more information on exactly what we're looking for on our website holly.co. What have you got to lose? Get recording. I can't wait to have a listen. Now back to Conversations of Inspiration. I know it's such an over a used word now, but I still like it, authenticity. Mm. And it's one of the most important words, actually, for the next hundred years, mm. I'd say. Consumers are changing, especially uh, millennials, and they want to consume from brands that they can connect with and that are authentic. You've created your brand from being your authentic self, and your Instagram is one of the most real accounts out there. I love your real life posts when your kids have the tantrums mm -hmm. or when you've woken up too early by them or childcare nightmares or when you've got a down day. So it's so refreshing when there's so many people out there that we look up to who don't share in that way. Has this been a conscious decision and how have you navigated when you what you share on social media? It's basically non-negotiable because if I'm when I made that switch by writing happy again unplanned to being absolutely me without being TV me or radio me, I had to see it through thoroughly in all areas. Otherwise, mm -hmm. what's the point? So 
as soon as I'd made that switch, it felt so weird to go against that that I just now can't. So I might still post the odd pic of me wearing a nice frock if I've been invited to something like twice a year because I don't like going out and I like being at home. But the majority is just me being a mum at home, juggling work and a family life. And I want to share that. I want to connect with people in an authentic way. I've got no interest in just hundreds of people going, your dress is amazing, where's it from? Your hair looks great. I, what what use is that to anyone? You know, it's nice to look at those pictures and there's nothing wrong with it. There's still plenty of room for that on Instagram and it can be inspiring, like, oh, maybe I will try looking a bit like that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I really made that decision after Happy because I didn't know if the book would connect with people. But after having great conversations with people on the street and receiving beautiful letters and emails from people it had depth and it and it was and I and my story was resonating with other people and in turn that made me feel better made me feel less alone and alienated with what I was going through so I want to do that as much as I can in every way and Instagram is brilliant for that you know it really is I I think especially like a small example when your kids wake up at five and all of your friends seemingly have kids that sleep till seven you're like what am I doing wrong it's me I'm a failure and you know there's something wrong with me and then you speak to another friend like for instance I've got a mate Giles and his kids always wake up really early so I'll text him and he'll go oh for fuck's sake my kids wake up at half four today what is going on and we just both feel better about life because we're both on the same page we're both going by nine o'clock you've done five hours you've done five hours you are over it you want to eat your lunch at half nine it's just like a nightmare but you look at everyone else and it seems like their life oh, is perfect yeah. and their kids sleep and they they've eat had kale granola, they've had some yeah, loads of fruit and their kids have skipped off to school and they didn't stamp their feet and say I hate you everything was amazing and that <laughs> is bollocks because we know that everybody even when their lives look perfect are going through stuff it might yeah. not be their kids getting up early but it'll be something else but normally Instagram is the 1% isn't it it's yes. 90 is real you know close friends getting ill horrific days money issues worried about your children and then you there's one percent that's posted out there and we all know it but like the airbrushing and models but we seem to just sort of don't know it as well and so I think it's so important for accounts like yours that people look up to you you know uh, social media you know ties so much into our mental health yeah, you know both does. good and bad and recently I posted about a particularly really shit day I had and received such an outpour of love and for me this is all very new because I've been in a glass box for 13 years building a business being um, a woman in double spanks and high heels with lots of men and proving myself and having to become alpha woman so for me the last few years I feel like Elias Morissette, which no one will remember, but yeah, you do. But I you love, know, I love Alanis. Yeah, yeah, Alanis, and I can't even say it properly. But you know, I feel like my creativity and my openness has started to show through. But it's very difficult for me because I've been, I was from the other way. I I had to not behave in a certain way. But which I got is such this, a shit thing. But this is we'll go on to this yeah. about women in business. But you know, I got this outpouring of love, and it really is wonderful to have this amazing community. But I know that more, the, there's this negative side as well. And you have so many followers, 2.7 million, in fact. How do you deal with that negativity of social media or bullies or naysayers? Because yeah. a lot of small businesses out there who are trying to make their way with their limited marketing budgets and they're out there on social media, 
and then something happens, they don't know, you know, it's it can be really destroying for people's confidence. Oh, massively. And confidence is a huge one. And although people might assume I'm brimming with the stuff, I'm really not. I'm really confident in what I would like to have a go at and what I enjoy in my work life. But there's so many areas of my life where I'm just not confident at all. And I'm really bad at asking for help. I'm really bad at setting boundaries because I want to make everyone feel happy and I want to please everyone. So there's loads of stuff where I've got zero confidence. So when someone is mean to, for instance, my brand, that is me. You know, mm. that I am the brand. So mm. it is sometimes devastating and I don't like it. I'm not hard as nails. Sometimes I'm not, um, I just think I'm not really able to deal with this job. Like maybe I'm not the sort of person that can do this job. I'm not built for it. There are loads of people that I know that are way more tough skinned. You know, it's water for ducks back. They can move on with their day. I do not operate like that. I take everything personally. Or I'll go through a process which I've been able to sort of, look at more closely and intellectually understand. So the process is, first of all, see a comment that's negative about me and believe that person's right. The next bit is to get really angry and high horsey. Then I take a breath and I don't react. I mean, I have in the past, but I try not to. Then the next bit is feeling a bit sad and a bit shit. And then it's, oh my God, I get the realisation bit. They're really unhappy. But I have to go through that whole process. I had it last week. Someone Instagrammed me and said, you're constantly putting all this stuff up about how bloody depressed you are. What do you know about life? And just went in on me. I'm Mm. sick of celebrities talking about mental health. And first of all, I thought, oh my God, who am I to talk about mental health? Maybe I should just stick to presenting. Then I went into anger. I'm going to tell him what's what. I'm going to tell him what I've, you know, experienced and tell him he's making assumptions and he hasn't got a clue about my life because he doesn't. Then I went into, oh, I really need to speak to Jesse. I wonder if I can get hold of him. Then I got to, oh my God, this guy doesn't feel heard. He doesn't feel heard in his life. He Mm. feels... He's like a child right now who's trying to get attention because he isn't getting any. And then I started to feel empathy for him. But it literally took me about half an hour to go through this whole roller coaster of emotions to, I actually feel bad for this guy. I'm not going to say anything to him. I'll let him think what he wants. I'm actually going to delete the post because I don't want that stuff out there. And I'm going to look at myself and how, how I can deal with things better. But it's still not easy and this is not exclusively for people in the public eye this is for like you say yeah. small businesses and just individuals dealing with yeah. social media yeah I think that's going to help so many people and the fact that you're so honest about it I just love that and it really will help people because you're totally right you have to go through that process and and then almost you let go with love yeah, yeah at yeah. the end of it because because actually why did they take that time to do that what does that say about themselves? But as you said, you still have to go through through that whole whole thing. thing, Um, Another subject I'd love to touch on, something I really couldn't wait to talk to you about, and we've texted a couple of times about it, is the juggle we Mm. do. You run your business alongside being a mother of two and a stepmother of two. So there are six of you in the Wood household Mm -hmm. at one point, which I can't quite believe because I have a issue just with Frank and Harry um (laughs) and I know your husband has to go on tour a lot so you're a lot of solo parenting going on my most frequently asked question as a businesswoman and mum is how do I achieve this work-life balance which I think is this I've talked about it quite a bit this 
unbelievably dangerous term, as it suggests that there's this perfect balance or this perfect equilibrium. And often it's just making it through the day. Um, What are your thoughts on this? And I'm sure you get asked about it. So how have you sort of mapped that in your mind now? Uh, I haven't. I'm very much like you. It is day by day. I don't feel like I've got the perfect balance. I might on some days, some days I might go, you know what, that felt like a really good balance of I did two hours or I did a couple of hours of radio and then I had all day with my kids. I did the normal school run stuff. We went to the supermarket. We did normal things. Other days I'll work all day and I won't see the kids and I'll feel horrendous or sometimes I'll feel actually I can deal with it and it's okay. But it's very much a day-by-day thing. The most important thing is Jessie and I have a brilliant uh, communicative relationship where we sit down and we try and eat together each night or at least just have a conversation where we check in with each other. First of all, how are you? You know, how did you find whatever it was that you did that day? Are you feeling tired? Do you need some time to yourself to go for a run or whatever? And what fuck are we doing tomorrow and how's it going to work? And we do it every day because we have to. And we just muddle through the whole thing. And it is absolutely bonkers. Like, you know, for instance, this weekend, Jesse played Glastonbury Sunday night. So he went off and did that, which was an amazing thing for him. And I couldn't go because of work and what else was going on in our lives. And I was stood in the garden, and at one point there were seven children in the garden, and I thought, what is going on here? How am I allowed to look after seven kids? This is mad. I mean, three of them were teenage girls who were all absolutely wonderful and sweet. But it was still like, I'm... I've got to check these guys are all right. And I'm not at Glastonbury. I'm not bloody Glastonbury. <laughs> what is it? I can't look at the TV because I've got such bad FOMO. I can't even look at it. I can't go on Instagram. <laughs> I'm missing Kylie right now. But, you know, it's, I love, love being a parent. It's so hard. It's so hard being a parent sometimes. I think, can I even do this? But it's brilliant. I love it. I love the challenge. I love what it's taught me about myself. And I've loved how it's made me slow down and it's actually made me have a better perspective of my work and a a better all-seeing eye of all of it. I can get that bigger picture quicker. So I don't know how you get the balance. I just think you go day by day and you try and make it work. And so do you think one of the sort of ways that you would say that you've, as much as you are managing it communication being mm. one of the key tips with, with, with whoever it is because if you haven't yeah. got a husband or a wife or a partner having someone that you can if it's a parent a friend that you can have that conversation with I think just talking in general is such a powerful thing and it's it's really important to feel like you're not getting it all wrong and everyone else is getting it right and not to beat yourself up because you know I do all the time I'll you know might have I've got a really busy week next week which I'm already feeling a little bit edgy about So I know that there will be days where I'll think, oh my God, I'm a terrible mum. I haven't seen my kids today, blah, blah, blah. But then I've been lucky enough to manage to clear a whole week the week after where I'm going to be at home with my children off school because it's the summer holidays all day, every day. And we're going to do normal mum and kid stuff and Mm. go to the park and be messy and do and make cakes and whatever. But none of it's perfect. I think you just have to make the best of whatever your situation is in that way. I was 28 when I found um, Not on the High Street and I had my three-month-old Harry strapped to me. And my most uh, 
debilitating experience being a female founder and a new mother was the guilt I used to feel especially when I would have to hand him over to childcare and I missed his first steps I missed his first words I feel very Erin Brockovichy about it Mm. you know it's that thing that that's the sacrifice I only had one child so these are big things that you miss and the guilt was almost out of control at some points but something I've learned on my own business journey is actually how much you give a child that has been brought up with a parent who's building something or working so hard you give them the examples the hard work ethic that inspiration and I know I've given my son Harry this he's actually just started his own little business now called Sugar Boy no as he just believes everyone basically runs a business so that for him wasn't not normal and I remember he even asked me when he was four and he said um Bubba can men run a business too as he'd he'd only seen women running them and I thought men I thought men can't and only women and I thought god that's a big moment for feminism just there heavenly and I always like to share that story as I'm out on the other side you know he's 14 and I know so many parents suffer from this guilt especially women and it's such a huge useless emotion to Mm. suffer from um and it didn't get me anywhere you're this busy woman. You suffer from this too, yes. and and you must know other people that suffer from it. Massively. What what do you all feel? And do you think the times are turning where we can, you know, almost talk openly about just trying to help our almost younger selves, like stop feeling this way? Mm. Because if you're not bringing up these kids while looking at this work ethic, who is? I know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is because I don't feel I'm out the other end of it by any means you know I still get struck down with that feeling all the time you know like you say it it can be quite extreme so I don't know personally at the moment how to fix that one apart from just try and keep finding days where I am just in mum mode that feel like they balance it out which I know it doesn't work like that but in my head I feel like okay I've had one day at home so then tomorrow if I'm at work all day that doesn't feel as bad and I know that doesn't equal up to anything but it kind of works for me but the one thing I will do which I'm glad that you've just told your story because they're the sorts of examples that I certainly need to hear that you and I've got loads of friends that you know like I've got a friend who's a yoga teacher and she runs loads of retreats and she has to leave her two daughters quite regularly but they are they came to my house at the weekend and they're the most mature and confident and just bright girls ever who get what their mum does and why and they're massively independent and they do loads of stuff on their own and I was just impressed I thought Mm. wow this has been Mm. hugely beneficial to their growth and hearing your story equally and with my own kids like I'll I'll even say to Honey now my main thing has been honesty along the way so I say to Honey, who's just about turning four this summer, and I'll say, right, mummy's going to work today. I know that you would prefer I didn't, but I'm going so I can earn money so that we can go to the supermarket together tomorrow and buy all of your favourite treats and your strawberries that you want, and then we can buy some new T-shirts with the little sequin cats on that you like. And and, and she knows that that's why I go, and I come back, mm-hmm. and we have money to be able to buy food, possibly go on holiday because that's something they love in the summer to be able to go to a nice beach and that I'm honest about it rather than oh god I feel really bad I'm going guys but I am sneaking out the door 
I try and sit down and tell them how it is. I used to say to myself, something I learned was quality over quantity. You know, there's a lot of people that can be at home and not happy. And actually the kids feel that, you know, and it's not just happy wife, happy life, you know, happy mum. And that's so important. So, you know, during my building, not in the high street, I'd see Harry for 20 minutes a day. Always would put him to bed, always. But that was for his whole, you know, zero to 10, Mm. you know. So it was a long decade where I didn't play, I didn't do these things. But when I did see him, I made that you know, very special time. And we would work together. We do things that we could do together. We have an office, um, my home office, and he's got his bedroom, which is Harry's office. So, you know, we have that thing. And that's what we built together. We had to find our own way around it. So it is about quality, not quantity necessarily, because that's what the memories are created from. Yeah, and I think we've got to remember also that we're here to guide our children, not to do every single thing with them always. I mean, you can if you want. There's there's no there's mm. no, you know, wrong I'm, or right. I'm not saying that's yeah, there's there's a wrong or right, but I think we're here to guide them in life and you can do that in so many ways. By example, not always by this is what you've got to do. Mummy's going to show you how. It can be like I said about my dad at the start of this chat. I've watched him do something he loves. I don't remember him necessarily playing with me loads as a kid. He was the most brilliant dad and he's like the kindest man you've ever met in your life. And I look up to him in that way. You know, all of his hard work didn't sort of dilute my feelings towards him mm. or how I saw him mm. as a father. It's it's kind of helped me channel my passions mm. more than mm. anything. And just seeing my mum work incredibly hard, really just for us to sort of survive as a family, again, instilled something else in me. So... And also, I think parenting's really different these days. Like, I don't think parents used to play with their kids. You know, back when I was growing up, my parents were never like, let's make a pretend shop. And they were too busy bloody cleaning oh the house and cooking never. and sorting out the garage. Yeah. I would go and do fantasy land on my own in yeah. the garden where my Barbies would go off on adventures and I had the best time ever. Whereas Absolutely. now there's all this pressure that you've got to, oh my God, what you haven't done imaginary theatre with your kids or built them a yeah. den in the garden or it's all this guilt about you haven't done all this stuff whereas I feel really lucky that I had so much freedom as a kid yeah. I'd go off in the garden on my own for hours and my parents didn't even know where I was half the time whereas we these days guilted out that we're not doing like every club and activity and and you know you're not taking off all these well, things we're meant to do. I think we've do. got too much sorry to say but time and thoughts in our head because actually if you think about it where our parents our grandparents they come out of war yes right you know if you got to the beach once a year this was heaven this was great now it's about have you not done imaginary theater with your children I mean it's it's gone to the sort of these insane things where we're yeah and so talking about women something we talk a lot at Holly and Co about is our mission to help more women start businesses Um, and there's these crazy stats that I talk about all the time 150,000 businesses between men and women starting up a year and if women started those businesses it would pump 250 billion in four years into the economy so it is really a necessity that women start more businesses entrepreneurs of all small businesses are most likely though to experience this imposter syndrome um, that other professions don't because they're personally accountable for their failures like you were just saying about yourself And the employees aren't, you know, if you're an employee, you're not so much. Is this 
it's something I really want to sort of out and help women overcome. And I talk about this imposter syndrome a lot, and I've definitely experienced it. Have you experienced imposter syndrome? And how have you dealt with it and not allowed it to, for you to be held back by it? Yeah, I have. I mean, probably less so in the last few years because, again, I'm just being me. So I'm not pretending to be anything. I'm just telling my story and seeing if people connect with it. So if I don't have that connection and people, and you know, the reaction isn't what I'd imagined, no biggie. It's still me telling my story and me being me. And I think previously where I'm chosen for a role, okay. I would absolutely have it every time. You know, when you're stood at the Oscars on the red carpet about to interview people and you've got Ryan Seacrest next to you or whatever, you're like, why am I here? Maybe they think I'm awful at this and I shouldn't be here and maybe the celebrity I'm interviewing thinks my questions are shit and absolutely I've had it or if you stand on set and you've got 10 cameramen stood in front of you pointing cameras at you and a director in your ear and you're thinking they all probably think I'm useless they all probably think Emma Willis would have been better she probably would have been to be fair um (laughs) or whatever you know it's that's where imposter syndrome was omnipresent I would feel it all the time and the only way I can really negate all of that panic is to say like little weird mantras in my head so I had it even the other day I went on a tv show as a panelist and I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to be funny. This is going to be horrific. They were all really comfortable here, and I'm not. And they were all men, so I felt already slightly sort of separate in that way. And I just do a little thing in my head, like, you know, you are enough, you are enough, or I'm strong in the power of spirit, or whatever it is. It's like a little thing that takes me away from all the crazy, you know, the bombardment of thoughts and just lets me believe that, I am okay and whatever happens happens and I will either learn from it or enjoy it so just have to let go a little bit which is hard it's it's really hard that's it so you are enough so you just repeat you are enough you are enough you are enough it's you know it's so sharing tips what people do to try and get out of it because I think we can talk a lot about it but it's like the, but what do I do? What, do I do? what yeah. do I do with that bit? Because I think, you know, again, we can use words like imposter syndrome over and over and over again. But actually, that's the thing holding back these 150,000 women not starting up a business. So just those sort of practical tips yeah, on... mantras. Or, I mean, or, or even just, you know, thinking what's the worst case scenario here? And it's, you know, the panic is always detached from an outcome it's just like a free floating panic so if you thought right what's the worst that could happen I'm on a panel show no one laughs at anything I say I feel a bit alienated I'll still go home to my lovely family at the end of the day and have a cup of tea and have a cup of tea and go to bed you know it's Mm. unless you are saving lives because there are lots of people out there that do have jobs that are incredibly stressful because they are dealing with life and death unless you are in one of those positions you can usually sort out you know problem solve find a solution or deal with because I've made loads of mistakes millions and I've had loads of things that have not gone to plan so you still have to then work out not a solution but how to have an acceptance around it to then help you not feel overwhelmed by failure and guilt or whatever so I think it's looking at yeah very pragmatic ways of dealing with that 
you are a fan of small businesses because I know this because you um, follow you on Instagram and you're always so excited when I see your children wearing something from not on the high street or a small business such as Fred and Noah leggings Mm, or your beautiful denim and bone jacket which we both have or your delicious monster tea t-shirts what is it that you love about creative small businesses I love that someone has put absolute thought love and passion behind something and I can tell with all of those smaller brands that I love that it's come from that place it's not come from a place of I need to be the biggest company I need to make loads of money it's come from someone really giving a shit and there and also I just want to I want to support them because I can see there's that hunger there. And I've felt like that so many times in my career, a real hunger and a passion and people that just enjoy what they're doing. And you can see it in the product. You can see it. And they're usually slightly more thoughtful around how they make things and where they're getting stuff from, the sustainability around their products. So I'm really, um, I want to champion and support people like that and give them, I've got this lovely platform. There's no point me using it to promote people that already have a platform. I'd like to, Mm. even if it's on the podcast, talk to people that don't have a platform Mm. or show products where people might need a little bit of a boost up. That's a lovely thing to be able to do. Well, you actually like small businesses so much. (laughs) You'll be able to spy it at your festivals. Can you believe you're going to have your own Happy Place Festival, which I'm so excited for? Mm. It takes place on the 3rd and 4th of August at Chiswick House, and I'm there on the 4th, and then the 7th and 8th of September at Tatton House, and I'm there on the 7th, which Not On The High Street is sponsoring, and I'm so, along with other people, but I'm so honoured, and thank you for asking me. No, thank you it just it fits so perfectly with everything we're doing it's just and to have lots of small brands in the shopping area is exactly what I want well tell me about what what should people expect on the on these days so much I mean I want basically to bring to life all the stuff I've been talking about over the last few years so whether that be in the books for the podcast I want people to be able to immerse themselves in that world so one of the big moments will be the talk stage which you're going to be on because they'll be able to sort of almost watch those podcasts being brought to life. We're going to have four live podcasts across each weekend. So there'll be eight in total. And then some key speakers in between, like yourself, talking about their life, their story. So as diverse as everything from family estrangement to business to addiction to illness, all subjects covered. Amazing first-hand accounts of, of people's lives, basically, which for me, there's nothing more fascinating. Yeah. Um, lots of different little TPs with sessions and classes that you can book into or drop into, spanning from yoga to sound therapy to Reiki, massage, breathing sessions, all sorts of yoga from the more traditional vinyasa and um, yin to reggae yoga, which I've never done. Reggae? Yeah, apparently. So all sorts of really interesting out there stuff and all things that I have found truly helpful over the Mm. years. Good food, all vegetarian food. Even if not veggie, you can deal with it for two days because it's going to be absolutely scrummy. (laughs) Um, And also the shopping area with small independent businesses and beautiful grounds to be able to sit and enjoy and mm. chill out areas where you can sit and eat and meet new people and 
and meet like-minded folks. So I'm just really excited. It feels like I've got two weddings coming up in Sounds one year. Sounds heavenly, but yeah. I, I know the, you know, oh, yes. It's been a lot of work. The, the, it's a lot of work, a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, and pre-wedding nerves the nights before, I'm sure. I just want the, wedding, the weather to be good. That's what I'm yeah. praying now. Please. I mean, it was fine. We've got loads of undercover areas, but you just want your wedding day to be good weather, right? So that's, that's yes. the plan. Oh, it's going to, it's going to shine down on you, Fern. And lastly, I, if you glimpsed into the future, what do you think's there for you? What I hope is that I get to keep creating um, on this level because this is the thing that's making me feel so alive at the moment is having the opportunity to continuously create. So if I can keep doing that and keep feeling excited, I don't want to plan too much because I haven't planned much of this. It's just organically evolved. I just want to be able to keep creating and to stay open enough and um, also confident enough, because the element of confidence has to come into the work arena, to keep trying new things. Because I'm no expert in wellness. I'm not, you know, the best festival organiser. I'm not the best radio broadcaster. I'm not the best at anything I do, but I give all of it a go. And that requires a bit of resilience, because you will get knocked down again and again. And it requires a bit of letting go and just the willingness to keep trying and keep getting up off, you know, your bum when you've been knocked down and trying again. So as long as I get to keep expanding what I'm doing in that way, then I'm very happy and will feel even more empowered down the line, hopefully. And something I ask all my guests is that I use the analogy of a roller coaster, one that makes you feel super sick and one that makes you feel so exhilarated at the top with yeah. the wind in your hair. Tell me what you would say one of your biggest lows has been on oh this my journey. God. I mean, I have had so many in my life and in my career, but I'd say in my career specifically, I've definitely had periods where I've had a lot of abuse from people that I don't believe was warranted. You know, I've never set out on any project to cause any harm to anyone. I'm not a person that wants to spread salacious go gossip, bring people down, attack others. I've never done that. Even when I wasn't working in this capacity, I was doing fun TV shows where I just wanted to have fun and for people to have fun. And I think when you are a young woman and you're growing up and you've got predominantly male journalists being personally very cruel it can be when you're not feeling great about yourself incredibly damaging and I've been through that in extreme episodes where I felt like everybody was talking about me in a negative way and everybody had it in for me and everybody had the wrong idea about me so you're sat there at home alone thinking I know what I stand for mm -hmm. I know what I'm about I know what I am as a person and I'm so much more than any of the things that you think I am and I'm much more capable than what you think I am and when you do kids tv you're sort of you know kept at this young age for such a long time where everyone thinks that you're a bit goofy for way longer than you kind of are and and that you're not a, you're not an adult, an adult and you're yeah. like uh I run a family home and I I'm running a, well, I'm running a business right now, but this is, I don't have it so much yeah. these days, but certainly in my twenties, it was like, I'm a grown ass woman. Don't talk to me like I'm a fucking child. So I, I've had real big lows where I have been so tempted to just jack it all in and just think, you know what? This is not worth it because I feel personally 
so damaged by what others are saying. You know, I'm a lot further down the line now. It will still hurt, but it's not going to stop me. There's absolutely no way. And if people slag off what I'm doing now, you know, they just don't like it. I know what I'm doing Mm. is something I'm passionate about. And before I was always doing other people's things. So... You've I had felt... so much personal growth, though, haven't you? Oh, now? my God. I so mean, maybe it's been the making of me in yeah, ways. It really yeah. has. And I think, you know, we all need to have those moments to get resilient. Otherwise, mm. you won't have that sort of strength and, and also empathy for other people. It's so important. Um, and I so have I think age so is much. quite a beautiful thing. Oh, it's the best. It is. It so is that we talk about age, don't we? And there's such a negative thing. I'm like... Yeah. Bring on it's the bloody years. Brilliant. Bring on the years. We can be younger than ever at 40, 50, 60. Yeah. But actually, you're wisdom. so much stronger. The wisdom, knowing who you are, knowing who others are, going, yeah. oh, I know this character. Absolutely. I know I know what they do. And almost being able to handle those things. So yeah. it's and tell me on the other side, with the winds in your hair and you're on that top of the roller coaster, what what moment? I know you surely you have had so many. Would you yeah. say it's been a great loads? I mean, in my personal life, it's obviously, you know, having children was just like, wow, euphoric. Um but in my career, I've had some really lovely ones. And they, some of them have been small, but really big moments for me. There's been some lovely ones like being able to do a lot of work for comic relief and children need where mm. I've got to do exceptional things like climb Kilimanjaro and, and you know, help raise a million pounds and then go and personally hand out malaria nets to people in villages and to have that full you know, that full rounded circle. process was exceptional. And I felt so lucky to be able to do that. But then I had like, I've had some really nice moments recently where I was asked to present the Prince's Trust Awards this year. I was there, yes. And I, I was terrified oh, beforehand. You were brilliant. I was shitting my pants. <laughs> and you know, you're sat on a, you're on a stage for two hours or there more. Were a lot of people. <laughs> and you've got HRH, Prince Charles, yes. sat right there the whole way through. It was terrifying. But I felt like I got out of it unscathed and I did the best you job so I could have good. done. You were, and you look so beautiful. Well, I just felt well. like I did the best job I could have. And I'm not saying, when I say that, I don't mean I was the best. I had the best job I was capable yeah. of. And it's a really nice feeling when you know you've walked away from a job going, I don't think I could have done any better there. I did my best. And I remember feeling really just at peace when I walked off stage. Like, I actually remember, I don't, I'm not a Christian or anything, but I went, thank you to the heavens. And I was like, what am I doing? But I felt so <laughs> grateful that it had just gone well. And it's moments like that where I feel really lucky I get to do my job and it does require skill and energy and effort and you can have a result that you can walk away from feeling quite happy about. Something also is, who would you think that I could interview that might bring inspiration to uh, my listeners and might be something that would help people on their business journeys or their sort of finding their entrepreneurial feet? Yeah, there are lots of sort of interesting people I know that aren't necessarily, I guess, running what we would see classically as a business, but are certainly starting movements and yeah. and creating communities, which I think is the new inspiring yeah. Yeah. Um, in the business realm because it is about collating groups of like-minded people at the end of the day, I guess. And there are loads. I, you know, I've collected all these brilliant people in my life over the last four or five years that I now enlist to help me out doing things like Bryony Gordon, like 
Porna Bell, who's the most brilliant journalist and writer, and um, like Zephyr Wildman, who's my friend who does all these yoga retreats. And again, they're not sort of setting up this sort of um, classic business model, but they are creating movements and starting a conversation that feels mm. like it's really building and that other people are wanting to link into. And I think people like that can possibly really help in the that sort of business area because they really understand people and stories. Yes. And they've been through stuff that allows that connection to really um, take hold, I guess. So I would say, yeah, Porna... Bryony or my friend Zephyr are three just inspirational women. And also, I know, I know exactly who she talked to. And it's my great friend, Chris Helenga, who founded the charity Copperfield, which in itself has become a monster. I mean, it is a business. You've got the whole charity arm of what yes. she does. She's also created these amazing groups of people in universities where they, they have a sort of boobette team because it's a breast cancer charity and they go out and spread the word to all of their peers about breast health and checking your boobs and the importance of it so she's got all these teams at universities that are going out and doing the work we run a big festival every summer a music festival where it's a big celebration of of the charity and of everything and and she's just running all of this amazing stuff whilst living with um, stage four cancer and with the most upbeat enthusiasm and vivacity about everything that she touches and she's just remarkable and I think um and something you said earlier reminded me of her actually because you were saying about your friend and how her business is is you know really helping her through life Chris has said to me on so many occasions um and on my own podcast that without the charity she doesn't know where she'd be you know that for her is her absolute mission every day she wakes up going this is it, what am I doing today, what's our next goal? And it gives her every bit of energy and drive that she needs. And she's just the most amazing person. Well, that sounds like such a good recommendation. You've got to get her. Well, thank you, Fern. What happiness, positivity and inspiration you've brought to my home today and shared with everybody. I know it must be a bit of a heavy burden to be described as a role model, but you really are, especially to the young women um, in my life and to anyone I spoke to that I was interviewing There is such, it makes me teary saying it, there's such love for you. And I just, I really just, you've built a career from being exactly who you are, which is even more impressive in the celebrity world that you've lived in. And somehow you've navigated this, but you're helping so many others through depression and difficult times. And I know this podcast is going to help so many people. And I really, truly believe that you are just at the beginning of blooming I think that businesses in the future I said this to you before are through people like yourself we don't know where all the models going to come and all the revenue streams and all those things but the purity of what you want to give people is so epically obvious to me and yeah you just made me teary just looking at your smile well thank you because I honestly since I met you the other week it's been so encouraging to see someone that I certainly look up into the business arena see that I'm on a good path and that I'm doing something that is connecting so yeah I just 
I want to keep on going and see what I, I can achieve and 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 rinse you for advice essentially well, I'm your biggest <laughs> I'm your I'm your cheerleader we've got to get that walking we're gonna do a walk. bloody I diary can't wait. I can't <laughs> right wait. that's it the walk is coming but it's at this time of the podcast where I ask my guests to have written a letter to their younger self offering up any advice and wisdom or support and I don't know what you're about to say um I don't read them beforehand and it's my greatest pleasure hearing them so Fern thank you for sharing a piece of your soul with us today pleasure over to you so I've I've written this by hand because I write everything by hand apart from my books but podcast everything I do it all by hand my handwriting is absolutely shocking where's it gone is it my other notepad it's in my other notepad (laughs) (laughs) don't be silly Notepad. I'm sure I wrote it in this one. I've got three in my bag. Let me just <laughs> get the other one. It oh, is it's it. Here, it's here. It's here. It's here. It's here. Sorry. I've got so many. I've got a podcast one. I've got a radio one, and then I've got like a general notes one. It's just yes. It's so many chaos. notepads. <laughs> I, would, I would literally not survive without them. Right here we go. Okay, dear young Fern. Now. I think I'm supposed to be writing to you to give you sage advice, as I'm now a grown-up who is supposed to know everything. But I actually look at you and see mostly just freedom. I see someone who cared much less about what others thought of her than the 37-year-old holding the pen today. I see someone who is wildly optimistic and such a big dreamer. Luckily, I am still a big dreamer, but often the worry and panic mitigates the hope. You are pure hope. That doesn't mean it always worked out for you, but you certainly hold on to that pure, unadulterated excitement throughout. I need to get that back. You see the world as a huge place full of extraordinary opportunity and positivity. You're yet to experience the darker side of life, and that is absolutely fine. I love your optimism. It's so much better to be optimistic and things go wrong than to be pessimistic and still have things go wrong. Some won't take to your energy and full-throttle approach to life, but don't worry about that. Don't let others' pain and anger dull your light. You know what? I have to say well done to you for giving everything a go. If you hadn't gone to that Disney Club audition with your nan Sylvia that grey morning, I wouldn't be doing all the great things I'm doing now. I could look back at you in purple corduroy flares, buffalo boots and a greasy fringe and a round face and feel embarrassed, but I really don't. I love that you didn't even know what cool was. You just went with what felt right and I'm proud of you for that. You experienced some luck on that day, at that audition, but you paired it with hard work and tenacity that allowed you to stay doing the job that I love so much today. You took rejection on the chin so much better than I do today. You had such confidence in what you believed you could achieve, yet approached those situations with kindness and gratitude. These days, I can feel flawed if I'm rejected, but you always held your head high. I should really look back at you more often and remember that resilience. You're definitely naive, but that's really just an extension of your optimism. You see the good in everyone and often to your detriment. You've let others manipulate you over the years and it's a lesson that I am still definitely learning today. 
You really believed everyone else was always right and you were wrong. But I'm just figuring all that out now. It's a tough one when you so desperately want to continue being optimistic. Some will see this quality as a weakness and use it to get what they want. But don't worry, in the long run, it rarely works out for those people. You're already used to being judged by others because you started work at such a young age. I'm so thankful that social media was yet to be invented as you came out of those years unscathed because you didn't really have an insight or access to everyone's thoughts. You may have heard the odd whisper or read the odd nasty comment written by an archaic, misogynistic and unhappy male journalist, but once again, you managed to stay resilient, so well done. As the years pass, this exposure and judgment will feel magnified, but just keep focusing on what you love doing and know that opinions of you, good or bad, really are none of your business. There will be a seminal moment later down the line where you'll feel able to just be you rather than the TV you or the bit you think others will approve of. It will be so liberating and make you connect with so many people. It's a long way off, so just enjoy all the craziness, the travel and the roller coaster beforehand. There is one definite I must warn you of. You will make mistakes, loads of them. And that is fine. Actually, it's great, as it's where all the learning is done. Just remember, so is everyone else. It may feel like everyone is... It may feel like everyone is nailing life, but all humans, without exception, are making tons of mistakes. Another warning. You are unfortunately not going to marry Taylor Hansen. I know, I know, it is really very sad indeed, and I know it's part of the plan, but a great man is en route later down the line. But on a side note, you're going to meet Hanson a few times, and on one occasion, your mate Greg James from Radio 1 will arrange for them to sing Umbop a cappella to you backstage at one of their gigs. I know, it's a major moment, right? It's going to be good. The great man you'll meet after a lot of unavoidable heartache is going to change your life and also give you children and stepchildren lucky. They're all incredible humans who will teach you so much about life and love. It'll be overwhelming at times in every way possible, but you'll feel more alive than ever. I don't want to tell you too much more as you need to head off on this adventure with as much mystery involved as possible. Put your belt on, it's going to be one hell of a ride, but you've got this. Be you, don't take shit from anyone, and shine. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, one of the things I just think when hearing, along with the tears um, streaming, is that um, so much of what you've been through is going to prepare you so brilliantly for this journey that you're about to go on. It's like you've got your armory, you've got your wall scars, you've already done that. You've done a whole life, a whole chapter and experience and you can take all of that, which you need as resilience in yeah. business, and you're going to plough it in there, but with a tougher skin so that you can focus on bringing the beauty that you're going to. And yeah. maybe that's going to mean that you're the one who succeeds in doing that because you've approached it in such a unique and different way. And as I said, I just, um, I'm just there for you. 
big, big cheerleader for you. And just, yeah, I can't wait to see what what you do. What oh, you thank create. you. It means a lot. And I, I really appreciate all your wisdom on the matter and, and all your support. It's, um, it's just lovely. Oh, thank you lovely. so much, thank Helene. You for, thank you. Thanks, NatWest, again for sponsoring this podcast. It's great to partner with an organisation that believes in empowering people in business. That's why they developed the NatWest Business Hub. It's full of information, tips and insights to help business owners meet their goals. Go to natwestbusinesshub.com to get started. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations of Inspiration. I want as many people as possible to believe that they can build a business doing what they love. So could I ask a favour? If you like what you're listening to, would you rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcast provider? It will help others find this podcast and may just be the inspiration they need to follow their dreams. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Will come to when you are lying in your bed And if you want your friends to come